Please be seated. It was just uh, last month that we, uh, in our walk through the catechism class, were going through the Ten Commandments. Uh, and therefore, again, this is fresh in my mind, even as we read them again today in our first lesson. Um, and I remember the day very vividly uh, when we came to the fourth commandment, uh, to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Uh, one of our more honest participants uh, said almost instantly, well, that's one commandment I do not keep. That's one commandment I do not keep. There was absolutely no hedging. Uh, this was pure confession. Um, and it was indeed an honest response to a commandment. And probably the most honest that I've seen in a long time. Now, after the laughter died down, uh, it dawned on me. It was like an aha kind of moment for me. Because I knew that this guy was not alone. He wasn't. I would dare say that most of us in that room, if not all of us in that room, felt exactly the same way. All right. Now, we might not be as honest as he was. We might not be um, as even honest to ourselves. We might even think that we are indeed honoring this commandment. But when push comes to shove, I think most of us would have a hard time demonstrating that we do. There is a reason why we joke about them as being the Ten Suggestions rather than the Ten Commandments. And that suggestion is the way we live our lives in the light of it. Now, if you want to push back on that, gladly do so. I hope that some of us here would be able to show that they are intentional about these things. But let me just press the question. If I were to ask you, what is your intentional way of honoring this commitment? What is your thoughtful approach to remembering the Sabbath? How can you articulate that <clears throat> so that I can understand how it is that you do that? If you cannot answer that question, chances are you too are treating this as a suggestion and not a commandment. So how do we go about crafting such an approach? If indeed we are taking these things at the suggestion level rather than at the commandment level. Well, let me just share some of the reflections as I um, taught the course this past month. Um, I want to start by this, and this is what I did in that grouping that day. There is uh, a multidimensional aspect to the commandments of God as we see in the scriptures. And I would find this as the helpful approach to me. There is a creational dimension to the commandments. There is a covenantal dimension to the commandments. And then there is a big word, an eschatological dimension 
to the commandments. And we need to take all of those together. They interpenetrate one another. We need to understand all of those levels, of those dimensions, if we are to indeed honor the commandments itself. Now, let me just sort of illustrate what I mean by that. When I'm talking about the creational aspect, I am really saying one thing, that the scriptures, as they are written, suggest to us that these commandments of God are not arbitrary things. They are not just saying God woke up one day and said, you know what, you need some rules to live by, let's choose these. No. The creational aspect of the commandment is simply this, that God reveals through the commandment, as he talks about the commandment, he reveals something of what he has built into the cosmic order of things. He says, listen, I'm showing you the way I made this. Understand that that's what this is about. That's the creational dimension of the commandment. It comes not to the fore in our reading from Deuteronomy, uh, which is the second time that Moses gives the Ten Commandments, but it comes most clearly in the first time uh, he gives it, back in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, and this is the first, when he makes the initial covenant with Moses on Mount Sinai, having delivered the children of Israel from oppression in Egypt through the Passover and uh, the Red Sea. And this is what he says in that commandment uh, as he gave it for the first time. He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So we are to remember this, uh, to keep on remembering that Sabbath day uh, and to keep it holy. And then he goes on to give an explication, what does that look like, and a rationale. Why are we to do that? And here's the explication. He says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. There is something unique and special about this day. It is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. There's the primary explication. No work to be done. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock. Give the animals a day off, right? Or the sojourner who is within your gates, right? That's how we honor it, he says, no work to be done on this day. It is a day given to the Lord your God. And then he goes on to give why. He says, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in it, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. We are to remember the seventh day because the Lord God himself has blessed the seventh day. And we are to keep it holy 
Because even in the way he created the world, he has made it holy. It is simply part of how he has created his world, the world that he has given to us in which to live our lives with him. That's the creational dynamic of this law. There is something about it that simply reveals the way God has created and the way he blesses and chooses to bless and will continue to bless those within it. When we honor this day, we are blessed by the Lord because he has built that blessing in to his creational order. That's the first thing to actually get our minds wrapped around. This day is truly good for us. And when we cooperate with it, when we uh, participate in this rhythm that he has built in, we find the blessing that God has built into that day. How he has made it holy. The creational aspect is utterly foundational. So what about the covenantal? Well, the covenantal is power. It is that which gives us the ability to do what we were created to do. This, again, let me just make some very big judgments. Uh, we not only live in a created order, but we live in a fallen created order. That's what Genesis 3 to 11 is all about. Uh, that we, through our disobedience, uh, have allowed evil and corruption into God's good creation, which means that that good order that God has built into his world is obscure to us. We can see some of it, but we don't see all of it. And we don't understand it. We are out of sorts with it. It is hidden from our sight. It is marred and corrupted, so it comes across not as the way God intended it to. More than that, you and I are fallen. We ourselves have been cut off from the source of our life and therefore from that partnership, that divine human partnership, which was alone the, the essence and the only way we could actually live fully and truly in that creational order. We ourselves are fallen and therefore cannot do what we're created to do. And thus we come to the covenantal dimension of the commandment. And that is from the second iteration of these laws. Remember again, Exodus, uh, at the very beginning of the 40 year period in the desert, when God established his covenant, that's where we read, first read of the 10 commandments. And then at the very end of that 40 years, when Moses and the people have come to the edge of the promised land, Moses reiterates those 10 commandments. And this is how he expresses this commandment. He says to them on that edge of that promised land, observe the Sabbath day, not remember it, observe it to keep it holy. Why? As the Lord your God commanded you. 
So Moses, at the end of his 40 years where he has been forming and shaping this people, when he gets to the promised land, he says, remember, this is to be observed by you. You are to do this, not just to remember it and think well about it. You are to do this, observe it. Why? Because you have been commanded to do it. Commanded. And we come again, therefore, to that covenantal thing. God has bound himself to us, but now he has bound us to himself. And the commandments are that binding. God is gracious to give them. We are to be faithful in responding to them. He goes on again and expresses the explication, which is almost exactly the same. Uh, and then says this, he says, six days again you shall labor, do all your work. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant. And he goes and he says, here's this, he expands it, not only your livestock, but he says not your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner. Why? That your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. He says, this is not just for you who are the rich. It is for those who you employ. It is for everybody, right? So that everybody can enjoy the goodness of this day together. There's an aspect of justice now uh, in this for Moses as he reiterates these things. But that's not the prime difference. The big difference comes in the rationale. This is what he says. He says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. He assumes the sixth day and the and creational narrative, but he now comes back to say, remember what God has done explicitly for you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So again, he brings not the creational aspect of God's life to bear, he brings his redeeming work. Uh, the work of this covenanting God, the God who wants to fulfill his purposes for his creation so much that he intervenes in that fallen history to choose a particular people through whom he will work his good purposes for all. There's the covenanting God. He says, I am so committed to the creational aspects of my creating that I will redeem you and through you bring redemption to all, right? So I command you to do this. And because I have freed you, you can. They had no choice when they were slaves in Egypt. They have choice and this moment. God has freed them from the oppressor. He has dealt with the forces that would prevent us from doing what we were created to do. And so now we have a chance to do it. There is the power of the covenantal. 
It really, truly is the, uh, the basis, the covenantal relationship that God restores with his people uh, in his creation makes possible our fulfillment of the creational aspects of the command itself. There's the power. And that's why worship is always at the heart of the Sabbath. We don't have to do any other work except come into the presence of this one who has freed us, who has brought us into this covenant so that we can live our lives in the light of this and through the power that comes from it. This is the Sabbath to the Lord your God, the God who, God who has entered into covenant with you. You need to honor the Sabbath day that you might remember God's redeeming work in and for your lives. There's the positive. We get to worship this one who has redeemed us and bound us to himself. Hallelujah. The covenantal makes possible the creational. So what about the eschatological? Well, that's just a big fancy word, meaning uh, related to the last things. Related to the eschaton, the last. Uh, related to the fullness of the purposes of God. One way of understanding this is to realize that when God created his world, he created it with a reason, a purpose in mind. There's a trajectory to the story that God is telling. Uh, creation has its end in new creation. <laughs> uh, creation has its end in this new Jerusalem, the new heavens and the new earth that are yet to come. There is a trajectory to the purposes of God. And the eschatological dimension of the commandment is related to that end, to those ends. Because those ends are breaking into our world even as we speak. But we get to do what we're created to do through the power of the God who has come to redeem us so that we can participate with this one, partner with this one in the fulfilling of his purposes for all. And we need to grasp that as well. And that brings us to our gospel text today. Uh, this really uh, interesting, quirky little story uh, in Mark. Uh, it is really a complex, even though a very short little thing, and I'm not going to deal with the complexities. Uh, another day we could, and it's worthy to look at. I just want an ending, an end, or look at where Mark ends the the story itself. This is the second of two disputed stories. The first came from John's disciple, John the Baptist's disciples about fasting. This is a question coming from the Pharisees about the right way of honoring the Sabbath, which is why it's connected to our text today. And this is how Jesus ends it. Two statements. The first is this, the Sabbath was made for man, made for humankind and not man or humankind for the Sabbath. Now that is a radical statement, uh, a really radical statement. 
Jesus is saying it is true at the heart of this, when God created this world and built this into his creation, he did it for humankind. <laughs> he did it for our goods. And therefore, we are to be freed by these things, not encumbered by them, right? We're not to be constricted by this. We are not to be put this into a duty kind of thing. There is this aspect that we know in our gut that this is for us. We are the intended beneficiaries of these things. This is the truth that leads us to treat them as suggestions. And there is an aspect of that truth that we truly grasp. These commandments are for us. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on and issues one more statement. He says this. He says, not only is the Sabbath made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Son of Man, I am, says Jesus, is Lord even of the Sabbath. You see, just because the Sabbath was made for you doesn't mean that you get to determine how you live the Sabbath. Just because it is absolutely for your good doesn't mean that you are the one that interprets how it is to be lived. There is one and only one who has that right. It is only one, the Son of Man, who has so understood the commandment, who has so embraced the commandment, who has so lived the commandment that he alone is Lord of the commandment, even of the Sabbath itself. And he and he alone, therefore, can instruct you and me and everyone else how to do it ourselves. He alone can authorize us to do it. He alone can empower us to do it. So there is the claim by Jesus. He says, I am Lord, and you are not. <laughs> I am Lord, even of the Sabbath, and you are not. <laughs> I am the one who can instruct you how to embrace this day in a way that it is for your good. <laughs> That's his claim. So what do we do with this? How do we begin to craft our own way of life that makes sense of the honoring of these things? Well, let me just suggest a few things. Paul says in Romans that uh, 
for some, uh, days are holy and set apart. Others, every day is the same. There is a principle where we are given some freedom within this. There is no prescribed way for us individually. There is a historical way the church has embraced this. We learn from those things. But truly, it is up to you. You and Jesus. Let me start with where we need to start. I think we need to start with confession. I think we need to make two confessions, in fact. The first is we do treat these commandments as suggestions and not as commandments. I think we need to come absolutely bone clean in that. We are not truly, fully listening to the Lord our God. We are hearing things as suggestions. If you can't start there, you really will not get very far. We speak the truth about ourselves. But we also speak the truth about Jesus. We need to go on to make the confession that he is the Lord and we are not. Right? We don't have to get this. We get to receive it from him. That's the second confession. <laughs> Will you make that confession? That this one, this son of man who has come into our world, has lived our life the way God intended our lives to be lived. And therefore he, vindicated as he is, is the only one who can truly instruct and authorize and empower us to do the same. We need to make that confession that we do not know what to do, but he does. <laughs> and if you're willing to do that, go on to the third thing. Carve out some time this week and ask him, how am I to do this commandment? <laughs> how am I to embrace and honor this commandment? And do it very practically. How am I to shape my life in the coming days and weeks so that I truly am listening to your direction in this for my life? How am I to discover for myself the rhythm of life that you have built into your creation? How am I to honor that given the circumstances that you have given to me? And we've been given different circumstances. How am I to build in the covenantal dimension, and to know that this is the power behind the fulfillment of the commandment. How do I build in worship as the core of the Sabbath? And then see how that is flowing out into the rest of my life. Worship in the day, the rhythm of my day, Monday through Saturday, as well as on Sunday. Then how are these things to be lived out practically in my dealings with others, with those who are under me, my servants, if we have those under me, or our children, if you are a parent? Take some time in the presence of this one who is Lord of the Sabbath and say, I'm ready to listen. 
And as you relate prayerfully with this one, and as you begin to discern some of these things, it's not rocket science. <laughs> I would say go on and write them down. Write down what it is that you will be doing this coming week to begin to put into action what you are sensing coming from your prayer time with Jesus. The ancients called this a rule of life, a rule of life which we then commit ourselves to. And as Nike would say, just do it. Do it. Make a commitment to do what you are sensing the Lord of the Sabbath is asking you to do, trusting that it will be good for you. The Sabbath is for humankind not humankind for the Sabbath. But the Son of Man is Lord, and we are not even of the Sabbath. It's time to stop taking them as suggestions. It's time to discover the wondrous nature of the commandments that they are truly for us, for our goods. But only the one who has come can instruct us in Let us go to him. Let us pray. Just take a moment and respond as you are led.